Good morning, Wastelanders. This is Streaming Wasteland. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Streaming Wasteland. Streaming Wasteland. Streaming Wasteland. I'm Greg. Hi, Greg. And with me always... And Ringo. With me always is Ringo. Hi, Ringo. Yeah, we should probably talk about this movie. This movie is terrible. Say, say we both recommend this movie. I would say skip this movie. Yeah, don't watch this. Worst plot I've ever seen. This movie had some interesting twists and turns that I, I definitely enjoyed. You know what they say, once you're 18, monsters are your problem. The creature that we're dealing with is called the Dark Mother. Yeah. I just called her Dear Mommy. Do you want to go mm-hmm. ahead and jump back in? All right, we should probably dive into this. <laughs> hey, how's it going, Thankful Wasteland or Thankful Streaming or Streaming Thankful, however you want to go about it this Thanksgiving? Streaming Thanksland. <laughs> <laughs> streaming Thanksland. Uh, with you, as always, is Thankful Ringo and, you know, my yeah, counterpart is Greg the Thankless, or Thankful, sorry. I, I was going to go with Grateful <laughs> Greg, but yes, I am here. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't call me out when I was I called you Thankless. I wasn't listening. I barely listened to you. <laughs> I know you don't. Thankless. So, this week, one of the movies that we were thankful for was 2004's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind on Peacock. Greg's the one who went and picked this one out, and I hadn't watched this one before he had posted, before he had put it up on our list, and I had been meaning to watch this one since 2004. Just kept slipping my mind. So, yeah. 2004's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind on Peacock, which is rated R, stars Jim Carrey as Joel, Kate Winslet as Clementine, Tom uh, Wickinson as Dr. Mirz- Mirzwak, Elijah Wood as Patrick, Mark Ruffalo as Stan, Kristen Dernst as Mary. Shout out to David Cross as Rob. Our trigger warnings drinking, breakup, painful childhoods, infidelity, drugs, Barnes and Noble. The big There's one. a lot Barnes of Barnes and Noble. And Noble. Yeah. There is. If you're not a uh, Barnes and Noble person, if you're if you're still mourning borders, don't watch this movie. <laughs> Sorry, Mrs. Ringo. <laughs> so our synopsis here: Joel Joel Barish is shocked to discover that his love life, Sparky Clementine, has had him erased from her mem- memory after their breakup. As a result, hurt and angry, Joel wants to do the exact same thing, going as far as to undergo a painless but intricate medical procedure to do the, do so. However. As the once-cherished recollections of Clementine gradually fades away, giving way to a soulless black void, something unexpected happens. Now Joel has second thoughts, toying with the idea of stopping the irreversible process. Meanwhile, Clementine is pursued by an employee of the company that that does the memory erasing, as he uses all the stuff he learned from her sessions to woo her. Let's hear from the critics. Just kidding, these are our movies, so get the fuck out of here. That's correct. Lick our sex. Lick our sacks. That's now Streaming Wasteland approved. <laughs> That's going to be the seal on movies that are bad. <laughs> the seal of disapproval. Lick our sacks. Just, just like a ball sack with a thumbs down on it. <laughs> so, Greg, how did you... Sorry, I was trying to find my place on my notes here. How did gotcha. you... What was your point, your reason for, for picking Eternal Sunshine? My reasons for picking Eternal Sunshine for A Spotless Mind are threefold. One is, it's just a good movie, but that's really a cop-out answer. And so I'll go into reason number two. I think that if there was ever a movie that was actually a Thanksgiving movie without being a Thanksgiving movie, this movie fits the bill, right? Not only do I like this movie, but what Joel learns throughout this entire process is that even though he's mad at Clementine for breaking up with him, and even though she might not feel the same way, as his memories of her are being erased, he realizes that she's a massive part of his life. And even if... That part is over, which is not something he necessarily accepts, and we'll get to that later. He is thankful for the time he spent with her, and he doesn't want to lose that time. And unfortunately, he realizes that too late as he's being, as his memories are being erased. And he tries, he tries everything. 
He tries everything to find a way to stop that from happening. And as the movie gets closer and closer to the end, it is a pretty grim situation. The final memory he has of her is the the first time they ever met. And her imagined version of or his imagined version of her, she says, it's all going to be over pretty soon, Joel. And he says, I know. And she's like, what are we going to do? And he says, enjoy it. And I think that there's nothing that really speaks more to like the ephemeral nature and kind of the fleeting nature of any given holiday celebration with friends, family, etc. than that idea, right? We don't, we don't really know. There's no guarantee that anybody is going to make it to the next Thanksgiving. Like statistically, it's likely, but there's no guarantee that any given person is going to be at your table one year or the next. And so being able to sit back and enjoy that is, is key to actually enjoying holidays instead of just being somebody who dreads them. And I say that as a a firmly noted holiday hater, but there is, I hate the, I hate the pageantry of the holidays. I'm not, I'm not opposed to the concepts. I'm not mad at December 25th, but I think that this movie works really well as a, a thankful movie in general. And so I'm thankful for, for that. But the third and more personal reason is this is one of the first movies I saw that wasn't a big blockbuster movie. And it's really hard for me to remember which movie I saw first, this or the movie adaptation, but I think it was this. And while I'd seen other kind of artsy style films, films without a straightforward narrative, the big one being Pulp Fiction, etc., they're not the same type of movie. They're not nearly as like cerebral. They don't make you think. And when I had seen movies that were told in a more artistic fashion, I was confused by them. I didn't get it. This is the first one I saw that I got, and it made me, it made me realize that there were different types of movies out there than just the big action flicks and the gross out comedies that were popular at the time. This movie came out when I was 20. And so I'd love to say that I saw it in theaters, but that is almost undoubtedly untrue. I don't think I would have seen this in theaters. I can guess at where I was when I saw this movie. I used to hang out with somebody who was a film student amongst other things. And I'm pretty sure we were at that person's place. But again, that's all lost to the passage of time, and it's not lost on me that this movie is about erasing your memories, and it's a movie that I like that I can't fucking remember the first time I saw it, because even without the shocking technology invading your brain and targeting your memories of somebody, there's time will do it for you, right? Like, the person that I saw this movie with, I'm like 98% sure that I saw this movie with, he and I had don't talk anymore we haven't talked in a long time we had a falling out and it's it's nothing dramatic it's not like some fucking crazy soap opera falling out where like you like he stole something from my parents so i slept with his girlfriend or some shit like that nothing dramatic it was just dumb 20 year old bravado bullshit and we're both like at the time we were both too stubborn to get over it and now we're both over it but i'm just been 20 years and there's really no point in trying to rekindle that friendship it wasn't that great in the first place probably so yeah that's another one of the reasons i picked it it's it's got a like a poetic nature to it about the the nostalgia anyway it brings me back to a place in a time where everything was different i literally i didn't know my wife at this point i had never met this person and so you know, this is a completely different world for me. It's a world that I have largely forgotten many of the interactions. I think that the movie itself makes an interesting point about what you do remember, like the strong memories. I am somebody who has had many a roommate and many, many a coworker. And while I can tell you stories about a lot of them, there's a whole bunch of people that I know I interviewed, I trained and I worked with. I don't fucking remember them at all. I see them popped up on my LinkedIn every once in a while, but I'm just like, shit dude your face looks familiar (laughs) like that's it 
And there are people that I lived with that I could tell you a few key stories about each and every one of them, the stuff that I remember. But at the end of the day, I don't fucking remember every little thing. If somebody were to come up to me and be like, hey, man, you remember July 22nd, 2011, that thing you said to me? I'd be like, fucking no, I don't. I really don't. I couldn't tell you what I said on a given day. And I'd be surprised if somebody else could, too, unless it was one of those things that stood out to them. And so this movie encapsulates all of that. That's why I'm thankful for it. It's it's a really well-told story. It's a romance that's not too romantic. There's not really a rom-com. There's very little calm in this. And it has a, a B, uh, like a B story plot that is set in like our, our real time that is for once impactful to the story, but also feels natural to pursue instead of a lot of times these B romances in rom-coms, romance movies in general are there because they feel like they're supposed to be. And so, yeah, I, I like the way it's made. I'm thankful that I've seen it. I'm thankful that it opened my eyes to other types of movies. I'm thankful that it reminds me of things I've forgotten, ironically, and I'm thankful that it is a movie that still holds up. I'm not a watch-your-favorite-movies-all-the-time person because I'm much more of a try-to-find-a-new-favorite-movie-to-add-to-my-list-of-favorite-movies type person, and so I, I don't watch this very often. I think the last time I saw this movie would have been like 2013 or 14, so again, another decade or so ago, but it holds up. It's fantastic. Greg, uh, Greg put eternal sunshine down on our list and then he messaged me and he's like hey uh i'm worried that you're not gonna like this and i was like what do you mean and he's like it's it's a little it's it's something and it seems like it's not up your alley and i was like man what and i looked it up and i was like oh shit this came out in 2004 i meant to go ahead and watch it in like i don't know 2008 or 2009 or something like that because i was still a kid whenever it came out and then yeah, you've been like, like it, 13 when this movie came out, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then like every, every year since like 2008 or 2009, it was just like, Oh, to watch that. And I get around to like putting something on and I it just blew past my mind. I didn't even, you know, remember that I had looked at the movie and been like, Hey, maybe I should watch that. And I, it's funny that it took what almost 20 years for me to go ahead and get around to, to watching this movie. And I watched it and then let Greg know that I, I finished watching. He was like, so what do you think? I was like, dude, I loved it. That was great. I, I liked how uh, out of like every relationship that I think that you and I have seen in, in the movies that we've watched recently, this was the mm-hmm. most realistic dumpster trash relationship. Yeah, man. Like, and it it starts from like the worst part of their relationship and ends with like their the best part of their relationship and then it continues Mm -hmm. and I was surprised that they didn't just like end it whenever they were like oh well we're gonna erase your memory except for the last memory you have where you guys meet and you guys can just start over again no 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 let's throw another wrench in here and have you guys get your recordings and play those and each of you guys get to hear them and then they both are like I would never say that and they're like but that's your voice yeah that's your voice you said it you fucking said it yeah and uh, it punched me in the in the gut when Clementine was like, I don't think you want to be with me because I am going to lose interest. I am the sort of person that jumps from thing to thing to thing. I change my hair every you know month or so or every week or whenever the hell the, the urge pops up. And Joel goes, that's fine. I, I still want you to be a part of my life. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to start crying. Yeah, he says, crying. okay. And I was just like, oh, Joel. 
Come on, Ace. Come on, Ace Ventura. <laughs> well, and like, it starts making me think, and somewhere to like what you said, looking back at, at, at your past, and you're like, there are so many people in my life that had impact, but putting a face to them, putting a name to them, putting anything to them, they don't exist to me anymore. They, they're still alive as far as I know. And I, I really hope that all of my friends from the past are still alive. I do not hope that any of them come to any harm or anything like that. But like to me, they don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. The lessons I learned from them did, but Sebastian Kurtz, you you and I were best friends for who knows how long. And, and at this point in time, you and I haven't talked in 20 years. So it doesn't doesn't matter. You don't exist to me. You're you're just something from my past. That's a name. There's no face there. And I don't know what he's up to, but he taught me how to like make friends, honestly, like hanging out with him. That's how I learned how to how to make friends was through him. No, I, I didn't have like the Hulk show up to my room to go ahead and erase my my memory on how to make friends. <laughs> um, yeah, as soon as I saw Mark Ruffalo, I was like, uh oh, don't make him angry. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna beat the shit out of Jim Carrey. I'll erase your memory. <laughs> and the the aspect of like it's a dream but not a dream was like a great twist because. In the past, so I'm an English major, and I've had so many English teachers go, when you write a story, especially if it's fic- fic- uh, fictional, don't write, it was a dream. People fucking hate that shit. But uh, this movie did it in a way that made it really fucking impactful, because it's not just, it, it, it's a dream, but it's not just a dream, because you're you're seeing his life disappear. You're mm-hmm. seeing Joel's life you slip through his hands like hold like when you're holding water and you can't stop it it's just it's going it doesn't matter what you do no matter how tight you grip onto it it's going to disappear because dr mirzawak it knows how to go ahead and like fuck with your brain so he's just gonna take that shit from you and he does and he yeah you know well, and also the difference between like the difference between dream and memory already is pretty hazy that's one of the theories that some people have about deja vu is that you're actually remembering a dream that just happened to be a very real dream that you didn't recall when you woke up and so when you look at the situations that some people find themselves in in deja vu, which is like, have I been to this diner before? If you've been to a hundred diners, that's are pretty good. You've been to one that looks close. They're not that fucking varied. Mm-hmm. And so you find out, a, you find yourself being like, Hey, I don't really know if I've been here before, but maybe you just dreamed of a diner. Maybe you were dreaming about fucking greasy hamburgers and, and pancakes that are cheap enough to be good. And so, it's deja vu thing but you also there's a scene about midway through the movie where clementine tells joel this isn't how it was this isn't how i was so maybe it's a little bit earlier than midway it might be about a third of the way through that clues us in that joel's remembering the shit how he wants to and we for as great a character as clementine is we never get the story told from her perspective which is fine this isn't necessarily about her it's about her but it's mostly about joel and that being the case, we really don't know if any of what we saw is absolutely true. We mm-hmm. really don't know the real Clementine, aside from the few interactions we get with her in the quote-unquote real world, outside of the memories that Dr. Amir's whack is absolutely erasing. And there's one scene in there, it gets me every time, man, when he's under the covers with her, and you know they're having their, their talk where she's like, I would used to yell at my dolls to be pretty because you're supposed to be pretty because I didn't feel like I was pretty and he's mm-hmm. like comforting her and then he's like please let me keep this one and then it disappears you're like oh fuck dude like yeah 
that's and that one is about halfway through the movie. And I swear to God, if you didn't feel like your respective genitals got punched right there, like <laughs> you need some real therapy. It is fucked or or you're too young. Uh, because I feel like this is a pretty universal moment. Like most people have had a breakup, whether it's romantic or friendship or whatever, where it hurts for a long time and you might do some drastic shit. I'm going to drink my ass off. I'm going to fucking take pills. I'm going to, I'm going to move to another country. I'm going to move to another, like shit, rich people could move to another planet pretty soon. And, and I encourage you, please leave rich people, (laughs) but the, leave the money behind. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just drop off the doubloons. And I assume that British people still trade in gold coins. I saw John Wick and he had a coin, so it's the same thing. But the but yeah, it's it's one of those things that's so universal, right? Where you you think back about the people you lost and you're like, fuck dude, how did I forget the good times? Even if the the ending was bad, there's some good moments. And yeah, there's there's a popular idea of taking this movie and looking at it from the frame of kind of like a black mirror where you're looking at the the dangers of technology on humans. And I think that's one way of looking at it. I think it's a perfectly valid way, but I don't think that's the actual point. I think the point is more that whatever happens in your life, you're going to remember it. And just because you could get rid of it doesn't mean you should. And it's a theme running through a couple other of Charlie Kaufman's works. Charlie Kaufman's the screenplay writer for this. He also did Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, which is okay. He did Adaptation, the movie I, I said earlier, and he did Being John Malkovich. I saw Adaptation, I think, around the same time as this movie because it came out in 2002. But for those of you who were, I don't know, 13 or younger around this time, you might not remember, there were a shitload of like pseudo independent films being released between about 2002, three and 2009 into theaters that had big name stars playing like weird, quirky. I say pseudo independent because they had money behind them. They weren't made in somebody's basement, but they were overcoming the two issues that most independent films have, which is they had enough budget to shoot what they wanted to shoot. And they actually had actors who could act. And those are the two things that I feel like most independent filmmakers struggle with is that they have actors that may not be exactly who they're looking for. And then at the end of the day, their budget is their credit card. And that takes you as far as it can. And you got to be pragmatic about, am I ever going to be able to pay that back? And so side note, if you ever get a chance, you can actually go find the collector's edition of clerks and credits. Kevin Smith actually included his credit card statements from filming the movie of all of his lines of credit, absolutely maxed out. And if you've ever seen that movie, there's not a lot going on in that movie. It costs a lot to rent cameras and shit like that. And so, yeah, he didn't have, he doesn't have big set pieces. He has a convenience store that I think he borrowed for three days. And that was that was it. That was the set. He didn't have time to do it anyway. But this movie is is really really great, and I think it like there's always another layer to uncover. I watched a YouTube video about it after I rewatched it that was talking about how every time this guy rewatches it, he picks another scene as the most important scene, and I feel like that's pretty true. That I can go back and watch this again in I don't know 2028 or whenever I get around to watching it again and find a different meaning and a different moment from it. And I think that's the mark of great storytelling. Not yeah. good, but great. Great storytelling, great movies will leave you with something different every time because it'll apply to your life in a different way, but still be the exact same fucking movie. Yeah, and think like that statement that you made right there of like going back and rewatching it, the, the guy that you were talking about and, and picking a different scene. I could probably sit here and and try and use my memory which as the movie kind of points out which would happen here is like i would end up mm-hmm. putting my own spin on the memories because uh, on the scenes because i'm not going to remember it exactly how it went I, I the there's the scene where joel and clementine fight and there's a scene where joel and clementine fight and there's the scene where joel and clementine fight and then there's the scene mm-hmm. where they they try to hide and they jump into one of joel's memories and then they jump into another memory and just i don't know 
each each scene has its own point to make and the point is tied off in a nice little bow to be unwrapped and I, I man I can see why like your your friend back then probably put this on because this is the sort of thing that you could probably study for for years and not touch everything that's going on in it we have the aspect of technology being able to erase your mind we have the aspect of the boss sleeping with with his employee and then erasing her memory and the mm-hmm. conundrum of that and what the, the conflicts of that bullshit and how his his marriage is probably done after like however many times this has happened yeah. There's the conundrum of like, should you erase someone from your memory? And uh, real quick, my opinion on that is no. Every every person that you've ever interacted with teaches you something about yourself, about the world, about the people around you. Mm-hmm. And erasing them takes away from you. You are no longer you by doing that, in my opinion. But that's that's my opinion. I'm not a philosopher. I'm not a scientist. I don't know any better. Maybe in the future they'll be like, no, nah, it's a good idea. Erase people. Fuck it. Whatever. It means nothing. Yeah, I mean, like, but that is the point of it, right? Is that when you look at Clementine and Joel's relationship, it's actually, it seems like more terrible than good. The good mm-hmm. moments are highlights and the bad moments are dragged out scenes where, well, dragged out, but scenes in which they are fighting, arguing, and it seems like it comes at the drop of a hat. They're walking through a flea market and he, and they try to, like, they make Clementine seem like she's a little bit unstable, but he just casually mentions you'd be a bad mother and they get in a fight. And so... It's one of those things where it's very realistic to how some people's relationships go. It, it doesn't seem like they're a good match, but they both clearly want to be matched with somebody, with each other. They want to, they, Joel wants to be with her and she is more than happy with him, at least for the time being. And it does leave you with that kind of sad note of she probably is going to get bored again and they're probably going to go through the same situation again, but this time there won't be a company to erase their memory. So. But on the flip side, it's hopeful, right? Now yeah. you you have you've done this once before. Maybe you can avoid the same mistakes. Although I would think of a, a relationship starting where each one of them has heard the other person on tape saying what they don't like about the other person, why they want to erase their memories of them. <laughs> it's probably gonna. That's a tough starting point. I don't. I don't think I'd be. I don't think I'd be capable of really being like. It'd be one of those things where I'd probably be fine, except until one day I'm not. <laughs> where like they'd be like hey what do you want to get for breakfast I'm like, i'll tell you what i want to get for breakfast you say i jump into everybody's bed and fuck them to please them fuck you motherfucker how about ihop and, and you're just like so we, we going to ihop or are we we do, not doing that right now I'm like so so are you hungry or do you want to fight or do you want to do both what's yeah. going on do you you want to fight me at ihop <laughs> so I th- i think that like I would have that same anger, but I think that my anger would come out and just me fucking crying. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Your partner's over there. He's having his morning breakdown because he keeps thinking about all the mean things I said to him that were recorded <laughs> by a company that erases memories. Jeez. Get over it, God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Somebody needs some medicine. Am I right? Maybe a little Ritalin to calm down. Maybe some Johnson & Johnson so there's no more fucking tears. Maybe some Ben Shapiro says, plus you'll try out. (laughs) That's a little blow, shit. That's right. You and Ben must mate. Ew. No, don't do that to me. (laughs) It's a double whammy. Uh, Yeah, I did think... The other, like, real interesting thing, we barely touched on it, but I do think it's a really realistic take to think that 
Elijah Wood plays Patrick, and he's the one that's after uh, Clementine in the real world. He he quote unquote falls in love with her while he's erasing her memories of Joel, and he then uses all the stuff that Joel brings in to erase the memories of him and all the stuff that she learned that Joel did that she liked when she got her memories erased, and uses that to basically uh, jumpstart a relationship with Clementine. And I think it's actually a really realistic and interesting storyline because you could totally see that happening, right? There's mm-hmm. there's cases of people who work in various offices that have public information that have abused that information. And so this would be another situation. You've, you've basically opened up your inner psyche to these people and you are delete, you're showing them all of these things that you you like and don't like that you have memories of and they're able to then manipulate that. And I think... I wish we got a little bit more satisfactory ending to that story. Like, I wish it didn't just be like Clementine being like, fuck off, go home. But that's also how relationships end sometimes. There's definitely friends I've seen where I'm like, like, fuck you then. And they're like, fuck you. And then I hadn't talked to him for 10 years counting. And so, yeah, it's it's realistic. I think it's a it's a nice touch. Like I said in the beginning, it's a B story that actually ties into our A story without fucking feeling forced in. I don't need two side characters who I don't give a shit about now smushing booties. How many rom-coms have we seen where that's the thing, right? Oh, grumpy man and grumpy woman gonna touch private parts eventually, but right now they're mad at each other. And then two other characters, it's Florist A and Villager B, who are both in this story for some reason. Now they look like they want to touch tips. And you're just like, fuck, dude. Like, could we just, could we just focus on the main story? Well, yeah, focus on the main story. Maybe, I don't know throw in a real problem that doesn't get solved just by talking like a real problem get this entire movie which is a real problem the relationship itself is a real problem yeah i'm looking at you california christmas falling in (laughs) love every other rom what are you talking about (laughs) there were two inns in that town thankfully one of them caught on fire that was an inside job for a dude yeah she's like oh i'm gonna be the only in this town i'm gonna be the only in bush did the falling in love job (laughs) <laughs> this is definitely George W. He flew the planes right into that inn, lit him on fire, but just that one room. <laughs> it was a very small plane. Yeah. Oh, it was a yeah, it was a drone, like a little <laughs> toy drone. You just hear it, you look up and boom. It's really bad that we know the exact sound. <laughs> Also, that made me think of that first opening scene of the Battle of like Pearl Harbor in the movie where they just look up and they see that one plane. That's what I'm oh, picturing. Man. The characters in Falling in Love looking up at just this like remote plane flying over them. And then like super dramatic music playing. Like maybe the James Bond theme. We seem to just use that for shit in the 60s. So. <laughs> <laughs> Do, you <laughs> Do you want a Big Mac? Do you want a Big Mac? Uh, anyway, I, I want a clarifi- clarification here. I am not helping with the Bond series. I'm just sitting by and watching it happen. Yeah, I keep for- I keep forgetting to tell him that we're recording. Mostly by not telling him. It's not that I forget. I just don't. I- I'm actually sitting in the room and he just doesn't notice. That's all that is. <laughs> I'm very thankless. But yeah, <laughs> I'd give this movie probably an 8 out of 9. I'd give it a perfect 6 out of 9. It's a fantastic movie. But I, I think that this is one of the better movies I've ever yeah. seen. The only real thing I don't love about this movie is that it does... They never really address what I think is probably the most problematic issue, which is that Clementine admits to drinking and driving, and she's constantly looking for substance abuse. Clementine clearly needs a little bit of help, and Joel's not going to give it to her. Joel is super withdrawn, and he is not a great communicator. 
and she wants more from him. But they are, they're both dedicated to the idea of trying again, but I don't see it ending well a second time, which again is fine by me. I actually, I prefer, well, not prefer, but I do enjoy a good melancholy story from time to time with a not happy ending. And, but yeah, that's probably like my big critique is that we get a lot of characterization of Clementine, but we never actually address what looks to be the biggest problem. And so maybe that's the point is that if you like somebody enough, you'll look past even their biggest flaws, but it was the flaw that seemed to break them up. Her hitting somebody with his car while she was drunk was like the final fight. And so, so yeah, perfect or not perfect, but eight out of nine and a perfect six out of nine for me. Yeah. I would also go ahead and do the six out of nine streaming wasteland approval because that's our traditional go Mm -hmm. watch this. And then that's, yeah, that's our high score. Yeah, and then for a realistic one, I'd give it the exact same, the 8 out of 9. Mostly because like some of the dialogue is a little weak. We have the issue that Patrick doesn't really get punished for what he does. Uh, Stan also contributes to Dr. Mirzawak and Mary's relationship. <clears throat> There's no punishment for Clementine dr- driving and uh, drinking and driving. And Joel's not like the best person to be in a relationship with but at the same point in time that all combines to go ahead and make this story as good as it is i think yeah. that that's overlooking all of that eight out of nine this is a good watch i love this movie and i'm glad that greg went ahead and put this on the list so that i can finally check this off and go i watched it and now whenever greg goes ahead and puts it on the list again i'll be like i've never watched this and he'll be like wait <laughs> didn't we do something about this like no i'm gonna erase your memory after this I have Dr. Mirzawak on speed dial, and by that, a shitload of alcohol and a baseball bat. So, hell yeah. <laughs> Thanksgiving is going to be lit. <laughs> For all you Zoomers out there, lit. Oh, God, I can feel the cringe. <laughs> and we got canceled. Oh, uh, we're not going to get canceled for that. We're just going to get thumbs down. <laughs> I'm all right. Oh, with man, we lost a bunch of subscriptions. Damn it. <laughs> Don't let me talk anymore. Shit. I've been trying to stop you. <laughs> and yet you keep inviting me to these. <laughs> and so with that, we have now given this a 16 out of 9. <laughs> that was for the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. We are on Twitter, also known as X. Fuck you, Elon. We are on Facebook. Fuck you, Zuck. We are on Instagram. Fuck you, Zuck. <laughs> TikTok, YouTube, Amazon. We are on all the places that you can find podcasts. We're in places that we don't even know about. And we keep finding about new ones. You find us on a place that we haven't we haven't put up. Let us know. I can go ahead and add it to our link tree. Say say hi to Mrs. Ringo, my mom, Greg's mom. Go ahead and say thankful things to everybody else. We're thankful for you all listening to us. Greg, do you have anything thankful to say? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we've been streaming Wasteland. Pan shot. Pan shot. Pan shot. <laughs>